Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. This kind of sin and this kind of sin and this kind of sin, and there's no uh, ramification for those sins. But God comes in and he comes in and he says, no, there's ramifications for that. And I'm not just going to let this. We see it with Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the Lord didn't just let them live their lives, right? So we see in humanity that this is the, until Christ returns, this is what will happen. This will continue to happen until Christ returns, amen? So now we're going to zoom in a little bit. So I'm going to use my phone as an example. So that's the overview of humanity. And then, you know, for those of you who can't see that well, not me, not me though, but we have to, uh, well, anyway, you zoom in, right? You get your fingers and you pinch on your phone and you zoom in so that you can make it better, so that you can make it bigger, right, to see it. So we're going to zoom in now. We're zooming in. And who are we zooming in on? You. You're zooming in on you, and I'm zooming in on me. We were born with a preset of conditions. Our DNA, your hair color, your eye color, uh, your body type, uh, how you process food, and whether you're you know, gluten intolerant or dairy intolerant, whatever your set of things are in your life, They come preset in a set of DNA that gets handed to us. We have no choice over these things, correct? Right? Because we would change. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. If you have curly hair, you want straight hair. If you have brown eyes, you want blue eyes. You you know, but they're preset. We can't change them. You know, we can't change them. And so we were, we have this preset of conditions, even to down to what you like to eat. A lot of that is already preset. You know, you don't make this decision, well, I'm not going to, I don't like coffee. Like, well, we have taste buds that tell us something, and it's, we don't make a decision not to like a certain food. It's a, it's something that is handed to us. Well, I don't like seafood, so I'm not going to eat it because I don't like it. Well, the seafood's all, yeah, well, I don't like it. I'm not going to eat it. You didn't choose not to like, so you guys understand the concept of what I'm saying. It's like, we didn't always choose what to like and what not to like. There's, there's something preset in us in some ways, even in regards to our sin and our sin nature is preset. A lot of it is preset and it's what we feed, right? So we all have this human nature, but as we know, whether it's through our lives, through the lives of our uh, spouses, our children, our family members, our parents, we see that each of us have a sin nature, right? We don't choose to say, oh, I want to be addicted to drugs or I want to be addicted to pornography. Like that's my whole goal. Like when you're a little kid, you don't say, oh, my goal is to be addicted to drugs when I grow up. Or or it's, it's it's, it's my goal to be a manipulator and a liar when I grow up, right? We don't choose that, okay? Now, choices along the way get us there, but we don't make that conscious decision that that is what we want to do in our lives. Um. So what can you say? We are born broken. In the book of Job, it says that man is born into adversity as as surely as the sparks fly upward. That means that we're born into trouble either way. We are born into sin. Amen. Romans 3, 9 through 12 says, what then? Are we Jews better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin as it is written there is none righteous no not one none of us are righteous and so then we come in with that we come in knowing that so here we are we know that we're sinners we know that we're born into sin on top of that we were born into some preset conditions not just our dna but you were given a set of preset conditions you were given a set of parents and a culture and siblings you were given uh, the, the place in which you were, went to school and the belief system and the, 
the importance that you put on education, the importance you put on your relationship with God, all of these set conditions were given to us by our families and the people who raised us. They were given to us. So here we are again with another set of conditions that we were given that we had no choice. They were just given to us. And we are living our lives now. Some of us now are just starting to figure out, oh, hey, that was a problem for me. And now I'm dealing with the consequences of that problem that happened when I was little. Many of us, uh, uh, they say one in four women have been molested in their life. One in four women. We're dealing with um, uh, violations in your family and in your life. There have been violations against us, violations against you. There have been um, decisions that you've made, right? So now we're moving on from the things that, the family that was given to you and the, the set of conditions, living conditions you were born into. Now we're, we're zooming in a little closer because now we're gonna talk about the decisions you've made. So you've made decisions that have led you to this place that you're in today. Where you're at today was led by decisions. Some of us have made bad decisions and good decisions. Can't we all raise our hand and say, yes, we've both made bad decisions and good decisions. But that's okay because we can be where we're at today. There's redemption for those bad decisions, right? And then, so bless God. Bless God that we're here. And um, But we've created conditions that have broken us and broken our lives. So all of those different things that I spoke about create conditions that create this brokenness that we live in, right? And then we get saved, right? And then the Lord comes in and the Lord starts bringing healing and refreshing. He starts peeling away layer by layer, right? He starts taking away those things layer by layer by layer. And um, the, especially like right when we first get saved, like there are some people who they first get saved. We believe that God can break the chains of addiction and break the chains of bondage immediately from you. But sometimes God doesn't work that way. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's a, it's a lifelong battle for things to get broken off of us, right? And so that's kind of where I'm at today in the sense that I want to talk to us about healing and continuing on in healing. And this is what I want to say to you, that if as long as God still has you on this earth, that he wants to continue to bring healing to your life. As long as you are on this earth, he continues to want to bring healing. And so today I'm going to say to you that there does come a point. So in, in our early Christianity, our early salvation, the Holy Spirit's moving like, oh, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix this. And you're like, yeah, fix it, get better, yeah. And then we come to a point where it's, we get so busy with all the other things that we're doing. Well, Lord, I'm doing this and Lord, I'm doing that and Lord, I'm doing this, that we stop because our healing has made us functional. We're functional because our healing has made us functional. So now we're not crawling. Now we're able to walk, right? We might have a limp, right? We might have a shoulder out of whack, but we're walking, we're moving. We're like, oh, okay, God is bringing healing, right? But there comes a point where the work now becomes our responsibility. There comes a point where the Lord's like, okay, all that healing, that was your initial healing, but now I'm giving you the tools to continue to heal. I'm giving you the things that I want you to continue to heal from. And as Christians, however long you've been saved, I don't know the, the mix here, but the longer you've been saved, the more that we're just kind of okay with the place that we've been set in. Like, well, I'm healed and I'm good and and I can go to church and I can, I can counsel and I talk to the Lord every day and, and I do this and I do that. And so it's okay. What happens is we get tired because we don't want to do the hard work of the continued healing. It's hard work to continue healing when God is asking us to pull on some things, dig up some things that we don't want to touch. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk 
and kind of use this as an example of Naaman. Naaman was a commander of the army of the army of Aram, and so he he had a skin condition, really bad skin condition. It, it wasn't leprosy because leprosy. It, the Bible might your Bible might say leprosy, but it couldn't have been leprosy because leprosy you would be cast out. So, but it was a skin condition. Um, so his little servant said, hey, my, uh, my, the prophet in, in Israel, he can bring healing to you. So uh, Naaman went to the prophet in Israel, and the prophet wouldn't even come out. Elisha, Elisha wouldn't even come out of the house. He basically just said to Naaman, he told it through a servant, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman got very upset. He got really mad. And he said, this is, um, let's see. You don't have to go there if you don't want, but it's 2 Kings 5, 1 through 19 is the whole story. But I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 11. So this is Naaman after the, Elisha had said to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored. So this is verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and he said, I thought it would surely come out to me I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his, the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of this disease. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I have washed in them and been cleansed? So he turned off and went in rage. Verse 13 says, And Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he's saying, why not? You're already here. Like, why not do it? Why not, why not just do what the man says? It convinced Naaman to go. So in verse 14, it says, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I have a 2011 Toyota Corolla. It's very old. And 2011 Toyota Corolla. And when I bought the 2011 Toyota Corolla, it was, um, it was a 2012 and it had like, you know, 6,000 miles on it or something. So I bought it a little bit used. There was, you know, the little thingy, I'm going to call it a thingy, but it's a little button and you pop the button under your seat and it opens your, pops open your gas tank. I'm just going to call it the gas button thingy. Okay. So even when I first bought the car, I click, pull the button, but my gas tank wouldn't pop open. So the the salesman says, just bring it back and we will fix it. So it's 2023. And I still have not brought the car back to be fixed. Okay. So this is what I do. Every time I have to get gas since 2012, this is what I have to do. I have to get a credit card and walk to my gas tank, stick it in the corner of the gas tank and then I have to walk back click it and then the credit card because it pops open so the credit card flies out and goes somewhere sometimes it goes under the car sometimes it goes into the next stall over there but it flies it's like still 12 years later 13 years later I still have not gotten that fixed now here's the thing is that my car still runs and I fix other things on my car. I go and get my oil changed. I change my windshield wipers and I fill the fluids and change the tires. But my gas popper tanky thingy is still broken. I'm still functional, but I'm not running at full capacity. I'm not running exactly the way that God has intended for me to run. You see what I'm saying? Because I won't take the time to fix that. I have to 
inconvenience myself because he, he made it to function a certain way. He made it, the car was made to function a certain way where it's easy for me to open the gas tank. It's easy for me to refuel, but because I refuse to get that fixed, which would have taken me four hours, it's probably taken me way more time, effort, and energy to unpop that gas tank every single time that I get gas, like once a week for the past however many years, 11, 12 years, right? Because I am not, I don't want, I don't want to take the four hours that it would take to take it over to the dealer, have them fix it, and then run. I'm not functioning the way I was supposed to function. And so what happens is, is that just like my car, you function, but there are things that are broken that God wants to bring healing to you, but we don't want to do the work. The work is hard. And honestly, if you've made it to the point where you're like, yes, I know that's a problem, and then we just keep moving on because we know it's a problem, then there you go. That is what you need to work on, right? We need to work on it. What about, does anyone have those neighbors that have all the cars sitting in the driveway that don't work? They moved? You know, I have a neighbor, he's got like, between his front yard and his backyard, he probably got like 16 flipping cars. And they're just like old, dirty, they don't run. They just sit there. Where, where he could restore the car, right? He can make the car whole again, running again, which is his plan. That's his plan. His plan is to make the cars whole again, sell them, and make a little money on the side. But instead, he just keeps buying old, junky cars, and he just leaves them there, right? So all the... All of the the great things that could come from him working on the cars is not coming to him. All he's getting is uh, neighbors upset and everyone's mad at him because his his yard is bringing the the our house you know pricing down, right? So you understand the concept there, which is we can be holding tons of junk that we choose and everybody knows it. Everybody knows that you have junk that you need to work on, but you're like, oh no, later, I'm not gonna work on it right now. What about when we go to the grocery store? I mean, I'm just, ta- just in case you know you can't get the imagery, I'm just gonna keep tossing them out. What about the grocery store? And you get the cart with the bad wheel. The really bad wheel, I'm not the one, not the easy one, but the really bad wheel, and, and, and you're like, Ugh. you know, you're struggling, right? What do you do? You take it back, you get one with a Goodwill because going through, you know, if you're just like in a small grocery store, it's not a big deal. But if you're in Walmart, you want the the cart that with the good wheels, right? Because you don't want to have to be struggling and fighting that cart the whole way. The cart was meant to make our life easier and flow better and be functional and help us carry a load. But if we refuse to take the cart and get the wheel fixed, We have to carry the weight and we are weighed down by things we shouldn't be weighed down with because we refuse to get things fixed. You guys are really quiet. So, uh well, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, Those items I'm talking about, they're not functioning the way they were meant to and they create a hardship on us because we won't get them fixed. In the same way, and I'm sure you guys have concluded this already, but in the same way, God has brought healing to you and said, okay, now we we need to work on this, or now we need to work on that. And you know what we say? Later. I'll, I'll just struggle through it. Like, I'll just be in the grocery store struggling through the bad wheel. But God, and God is like, well, I don't want you to struggle through the bad wheel. I, want you, I, I don't want you to struggle. I don't want you to have to watch the credit card fly out of the gas tank. Like, 
I don't want you to have to struggle. I have created a way through my salvation and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have created a way for you to be healed. But there can't. There comes a point where you have to work on your own healing. I've given. I've worked. I made in the beginning. I come in. I make it easy, right? But there comes a point where he's like, okay, now we're getting deep. Now we're digging into some deep things, and I want you to know what I'm healing. I want you to know what I'm healing so you can give me glory. He wants us to know. He wants us to have, you know why? Because we're smart. He wants us to understand what he's bringing healing to us from. Amen. So today, and that was just my opening. That was all free. So, But today I want to talk about seven things that stop us. Our seven dips. I'm going to say it's our seven dips because Naaman, he was mad. He didn't want to go dip because he didn't feel like he should have to go dip. So today you're Naaman and we're going to go dip and we're going to wash. Okay. That's what we're doing today. We're dipping and we're washing. And what are we dipping in? We're dipping in some of the things that stop you from pursuing healing. Some of the things that stop you from pursuing healing. So the first thing that I want to talk about is pride. Now, Naaman dealt with pride. Not everything I'm talking about Naaman dealt with. But, I, but Naaman dealt with pride because he got so mad when they said, go dip in this dirty river. He got so mad that he said, I'm not going to do it. I'd rather not be healed than do what you ask me to do. Well, so the first dip in the river that we're going to talk about today is pride. That sometimes we come and God says, hey, here's some healing for you, but you need to do this. I don't want to be healed that way. I'm not going to be healed that way. You can't make, I'm, I'm not going to be healed that way, and I'm not going to do what I know I need to do to be healed. I will not be healed that way. I shouldn't have to do that. That's that's one of my big ones. I'm just I'm transparency for you. Like there's times where God's like, you need to do this. I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to do those things. But is God asking you to do them? So our pride stops us. I'm better than this. I'm too good for this. Lord, what you're, I'm too good for what you're asking me to do, Lord. You must have it confused. You must have me confused with someone else. When was anything like this acceptable in my life? Sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make any sense. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we have said out loud, I will never do these things. I always tell my kids, never say never. And it, but that's a real thing. Don't ever say never, because the minute you say never, like my husband said when I married him, before I married him, my husband said, I will never be a pastor. And that's why I married him. That's one of the reasons why I married him, because I was like, praise God. Me neither. We'll never be pastors. We're good to go. I married him. Joke's on me. Look at us, 50, you know, 23 years later. And I'm blessed beyond words. But... But God had to make me come to that place because I was like, I will never do this. And, and that never is a strong word. Don't, I, you know, don't say the never word, especially when it comes to the things of the Lord. The minute you say, I will never lead worship or I will never teach Sunday school or I will never do this or I will never do, do that. Or I, you know, we even say things like, well, I, will, I would never go up to someone in a grocery store and minister the gospel to them. Huh, don't say never. Because it'll come on you hard, right? And it, Okay, I'll move on. Uh, I don't want to humble myself. I don't want to humble myself. Uh, and I'm entitled to stay in this unhealed place. I'm entitled here because, Lord, I was abused. I was betrayed. I was talked against. I was put down. I was ignored. I was overlooked, and all of those things could have happened in your church. But wherever those things happened, wherever those things happened, 
I'm entitled to stay here because you put me in a place that I had to deal with this. And because you put me there, we blame, we're blaming God, right? You put me there. And because you put me there, I'm entitled to stay here and I shouldn't have to keep moving forward. And that's your pride. Shame on you. Shame on me. Amen? So we have to take that dip and we have to wash ourselves from the pride of the things that hold us from digging deeper and getting to the root of what God is trying to bring healing to us with. Amen? The second dip that I want to talk about is the dip of envy. The dip of envy. And envy, and I'm kind of putting envy and excuses kind of together. But envy is, envy isn't just like jealous, like, oh, I'm jealous that this person has a new car and I don't have a new car. Envy can tap into things like, I'm mad that they have that job and I don't have that job. How did they get, why do they have that and I don't have that? Lord, I can't keep moving forward because, you know, this other area of my life, like I'm struggling in my finances, Lord. And because I'm struggling in my finance, and because I'm looking at that and I'm hyper-focused on the fact that that person has more than me, or that person has a better life than me, or that person may have one thing that I think is super great and I don't have it, or that person had a good family upbringing, or that person had an education or a brain that just works way better than mine in a way that I admire, right? I admire the way their brain works. It's not that my brain is, but I admire their brain. I should have had that brain and not this brain, right? If Well, if I would have had been given that set of circumstances, if those people would have been in my life guiding me, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And because of that, Lord, I'm just going to live in my circumstance because I'm envious of what that other person has. And because I'm envious, I'm in prison now to stay right where I'm at. I'm in prison and I'm stuck on a bus that won't move because I'm envious of this. I'm envious of at this particular crossroads, our friends went this way and we went this way and their life is better than my life. They turned out different than I would have liked to have turned out like them, right? So now I'm envious of that. Why didn't we make, why didn't you guide us in that direction, Lord? Why, why are we doing that now? I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to pout, and I'm going to be frozen in time because I'm envious. Well, the Lord wants you to take off those envious clothes and go dip yourself in the river. Stop making excuses of all the other things that everyone else around you has done, has, has, has not, things that they've, they haven't had to go through what you've had to go through. And that's why. Well, they didn't have to go through this pain. They didn't go through this suffering. They don't live with this kind of husband. They don't live with these kind of things that happened with our children. And we're envious. And we let the envy become an excuse as to why we don't move forward. We let the envy be so big that when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, that's small potatoes compared to what I have for you. I have great things for you. And all those things in your life, I've, I've, you know, I can turn those things that are ugly and nasty, and I can turn them for good and great and grand. But you won't let me because you're too busy comparing yourself and your set of circumstances. So let's, we're going to dip in that river, and we're going to wash the envy and comparison off of us. And we're going to say, we're not going to let those things, we're not going to let those things steal the great reward of healing that Christ has for us. Christians, we always say, oh, you're so free in Christ. 
You're so free in Christ. But we choose to stay shackled. You're, you, you get free in Christ by continuing to move forward and freedom layer after layer, chain after chain of this flesh. We peel it off. We peel it off until the day he takes us home or he comes back for us. We keep moving forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Take off the envy and excuses. Praise the Lord. The third thing I want to talk about, it's a little hard to talk about women, to women about this, but is laziness. And you're, oh, Michelle. Do you know how hard we work from sun up to sundown? Working full time jobs, taking care of the babies, making the dinners, giving the baths, right? I don't know if there's any little ones in, you know, if you have any little ones in this place, but whether you do or whether you don't, it's the nature of a, a female to be busy. Like very, so when I say lazy, I'm not saying about, I'm not talking about what you're doing from day to day. I know that uh, where we do things and we're not lazy, but we do get lazy. Sometimes it's just laziness that we don't want to continue to heal. I'm, I'm tired. Like, ugh. like, I remember when you healed me of that, and that was great, Lord. Thank you for healing me of that. But remember the process that I had to go through to be healed from that? And remember how much turmoil my family was in because, like, I had to bring out all these issues, and I had to work things out with my husband, and I had to do this, and I had to. The turmoil that that was brought up when you were bringing in that healing caused so much that I don't know that I really want to do it again for that next layer. I don't know that I want to do it again. So we become unwilling to reprioritize our life and our time and our money so that we can be healed. God says, no, I want you to change these things. And, and through the process of this change, through the process of this change, you can be healed. You know, sometimes healing comes by just doing the same thing every day. The washing of the word, the, the praying and the reading. And God brings a little bit of healing to you or 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 you know what every day I'm going to I'm going to set this one issue that won't roam that won't stop running through my mind. Like I always tell people if you have that rotating thought, you know, usually you get them like at 2 in the morning, right? Those thoughts that they swirl around and they come back and they're just right here. And then they swirl around again and you're like, just want to sleep. But that, that, when there's an issue like that, those are issues, when there are things that are from your past uh, where someone has said something to you and it just swirls around. 20 years later, it's still swirling around that this person said this thing to you. And however you took it, whether they meant it that way or not, we, I don't know any of that stuff, but we swirl it around. When it swirls around in your brain, you know what that means? It, even scientifically, this is what it means scientifically and in psychology. It means that the c brain connection loop, so every time we think a thought, a little tree is formed in our head, in our brain. And every time we think about that same subject, that tree gets bigger. So every time you think a thought, it gets bigger and it gets changed. The memory is never the same twice. So if you've been thinking a thought since you were five, when something happened to you, by the time you're 30, and every time you've thought about that thought, it has changed since then. So even the reality of what happened when you were five is not the same as what you think about it now. And that's a, it's a proven scientific fact, okay? We become unwilling to work through those things because we're tired or we don't want, we, know, we already know the work that is gonna be asked of us. We already know what God has asked. God's asking us to do something, and we don't want to do the work. And so I'm saying laziness, because we're, we're like, no, Lord, it's okay, because I'm going to go work in the Sunday school instead of dealing with that issue. So we fill ourselves with great things. We fill our time with great things. And I'm not telling you not to work the nursery. Um, in fact, I'm telling you work the nursery. But... Because those babies can teach you a lot about Jesus. Amen. So, but I'm saying is that don't fill up your time 
trying to get away. Just you, the, the Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. So you're sacri- you're saying, well, I'm going to go sacrifice my time in this other ministry. Or I'm going to go sacrifice my time doing this other great thing because I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, which is heal. Because you can give that healing to other people. Once God has healed you, then you can just start ministering, bringing out healing for other people. I just want to give a side note because I'm, I'm all about women and women's ministry. So I'm going to give a little side note. See, this is the, the interlude. Yeah, we're at three, so I can do the interlude now. So the interlude is this. If you feel the call of God on your life, to be a Bible study leader or a speaker or a teacher and you're female. Here's the thing is that the kingdom of God need, needs females to stand up and say, I want to be in the word of God and I want to be a leader and I want to I teach people and I want to teach women. I want to teach, right? So my suggestion to you is this. If that's you, and this is my side note, if that's you and that's and you've ever thought to yourself, hey, one day I would like to be like to teach. I have great thoughts and and God puts sermons in my head all the time. God puts great things that I can speak to people about. Then my suggestion to you is this. Go teach Sunday school. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because if you can search for the Lord and write yourself a little sermon and you can go and minister to a group of eight-year-olds where the Holy Spirit touches them, then you can speak to anybody. If you can learn how to craft your words and speak to the, the kids, and the kids understand you, and they feel you, and the Holy Spirit can move through you in that place, then God can speak to you anywhere. I even tell that to the men in our church. Like, you want to be a preacher? Go speak to the 10-year-olds. And if a 10-year-old won't get saved, nobody on the street's going to get saved. Go teach Sunday school. Those kids will teach you a lot. And when you are in heaven and they are in heaven, you had a part of that. Amen? You had a part of that. Praise the Lord. That was free. That was free. So you guys just, that 10 minutes, you just got to put it out. The, second, the fourth thing that I wanted, this is the fourth dip, because we already washed off laziness. And the fourth dip is fear. We come up against fear for a few reasons. One is that we have some dark, deep places that we don't even know what would happen there if we got there. If we dug that deep, we don't necessarily know what would happen when we got there, because there's some deep stuff in us that we kind of just have covered over and covered over and covered over uh sort of like like you know if you got a cut say you got a cut on your arm the cut gets infected but you don't get it fixed you just leave it it'll cover over right it'll still the skin will grow over and then but it's sore right it's sore and sometimes little things ooze out of it right because now it's infected, but you've let it the you've let it cover, you've let it close. And so now they're saying, "Oh, hey, your sore is 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 infected. You should go to the doctor." And you're like, mm, "No, that's okay," because they're gonna have you know they're gonna have to cut it open. And when they cut it open, nasty green stuff's gonna come out, and it's gonna smell. I, I, we know infections, right? It's gonna, but what does that doctor have to do? The doctors, it's gonna hurt. We know that. We know that it's gonna hurt. What about all the men who won't go to the doctor? Yeah, I know. I'm like, what about all the men who won't go to the doctor, right? It's because there's a fear. There's a fear that they have that they're gonna be told something they don't want to hear. So when you have that infection, you go to the doctor, they have to cut it open, and they have to scrape it out. So it's painful, it's stinky, it's smelly, right? But in order for you to be completely healed and that infection not to spread, they have to clean it out all the way. As far as the infection has spread, they have to clean it out and sew it back together 
and continue to monitor it so that the infection doesn't come back in again. Okay? So we get fearful. Maybe we don't see it in that exact way that I'm saying, but you can you look at your life and say, oh, that's why I don't want to deal with this because I understand the fear that I will be dealing with and the pain that I'm going to deal with, the embarrassment that I might deal with, right? Or, or I don't even know what's down there. Some of us know what's down there, but some of us don't even know what's at the bottom of that cut or that infection. We don't know. And so we're afraid of what we will find and we are afraid of what we will feel. And so our, our fear of what we will find and what we will feel put us in prison and shackle us instead of going to the healing that Christ has for us. Christ doesn't want us to live in fear. And, and you know what? This, this kind of fear is a little different than those of you who battle and suffer with anxiety and things like that. We, we suffer with, um, you know, we have those kind of things that we deal with and we battle with. But the Lord gives us like, oh, I'm going to give you the strength to move, move through it. But we forget that that also translates into the deep things of our lives. God will still give you the faith and the courage to get through it. Amen. A little side note for you, which is this. As God is speaking to you, and I'm just assuming that God is going to, I believe that every person in this room has something that they know they need healing from. That's my opinion. Um, but there's things that God wants to bring healing to you. And we don't necessarily want to find the healing. We don't want to find the healing. And so we're going to take a dip. And we're just going to ask the Lord to remove. Just right where you're at. Just, Lord, Lord, any, any fear, God, that I have, just talk to him in your own words. Any fear that I have in regards to finding the things or, or listening to you and going and working through the deep things that you need healing in our that you, you want healing for me. Help me not to be satisfied with partial healing. Help me not to be satisfied, Lord. Hallelujah. The fifth thing is bitter and anger. Bitter and anger. That's the fifth thing I'm going to talk to you about. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. And the reason why is, is because bitter and anger, uh, bitterness and anger is things that um, we talk a lot about in church. So I know you guys understand it. And, then, and we're ladies. And so there's a couple of things that we get when we get mad, right? You know, you can remember what someone did 20 years ago. You know what they said. You know what they were wearing, right? No, you were wearing a red sweater, and it had a Mickey Mouse, okay? It was raining, and it was 68 degrees. I was wearing this, and you were wearing this, and you said this, right? And so things that have been done or said to us, in our lives, we, we let it seep in, okay? And all of us have done it, so no, no, I'm not ju casting judgment here. We've all done it. We let things grow inside of us that have caused us to grow bitter and angry. And we might, ha we might speak good enough Christian talk to overcome, to, to, to cover over, I should say, to cover over so that when we're in church or we can make it act like, we can act like, well, it, it ain't no thing. I'm over it. But you know, because every time someone says that person's name, <laughs> right? They say the name and your, your body tenses up. That person, that person that gets that response from you, that's the person that you need healing with. The Bible tells us that if you come to the altar and you have a problem with your other person, another person, you have to go fix it. He said, leave the altar, go fix it, and then come back so that I, and then, and the Bible tells us over and over, forgive people their trespasses or else, because it, it's, it's in combination. We get forgiven as we forgive. We get forgiven as we forgive, and that's a thing. So, so, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on the bitterness and the anger because I feel like that was enough. Take it. Okay? 
wash it, wash it off. And take those tests. I take tests all the time. I'll think of it, I'm like, this person used to cause me problem. Let me think their name, I'll think about them. Sometimes I'll even go and think about what they did to me or what I think they did to me. And if I still get mad, I ain't right. Now here's the thing that, here's the thing, I wanna make it clear, it doesn't mean that overnight you should be healed. It doesn't mean that what that person did wasn't wrong. What God wants us to be is free from their hold over your life. He wants us to be free from their hold over your life. So be free and how you have to test yourself. No one's going to test you. You have to test yourself. We're coming in. The waters that I'm talking about today are the, one, the waters that God is saying, hey, I want you to go fix this. I want you to go fix this. Now, don't always, don't go places God is not calling you to go inside yourself. I'm talking about inside your healing. God's going to take you on a path to healing. God, God usually doesn't heal it all in one day. He's going to say, you know what, let's work on this. It's like, like how we talk about, you know, grace to grace and glory to glory. He kind of heals us like uh, my mom always talks about the onion. It's like the onion, layer by layer. He's healing us, layer by layer. So we're, we're not trying to cut to the middle of the onion. We're trying to layer by layer, right? Peel off those things. So don't go where God's not calling you. If God's not calling you to deal with that particular issue yet, go to the issue he's calling you. Do one at a time. Do you know that even the world, and I don't look to the world for all the things that they say and all the things that they do, but here I would like to say this, that psychology has caught up with the Bible in, one of a, in just a few ways. And one of the ways is that they understand that if you don't heal with your trauma, you are broken. And they literally, they will for free Get you a doctor so that you can work on your trauma because they understand that our, us as humans, if we don't work on the things that have broken us, we cannot be functional humans. So even the world understands this, but then we come into the church and we're like, oh, well, God healed us this far. So I'm just going to, I'm going to drive my little Toyota Corolla that still doesn't work fully, fully because, I, you know, it does get me from place to place and now I'm, I'm good. I'm getting from place to place. But God wants us to be fully functional. Fully functional. Okay. Don't get mad at me. I'm going to go into the next one, which is number six. I'm going to talk about gluttony. There goes lunch right there. <laughs> now, here's the thing is that I'm not necessarily talking about food. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about consumption. Okay. So, and so the gluttony that I'm talking about is the consumption of all things. So we don't just consume food when we're trying to cover over. So God wants you to work, think, do something. Well, yeah, some of us run to food, but that's not what I'm talking about today. If that's you, that's you. It's not you, you know. You, you know what we say? We say, oh, I'm a stress eater. <laughs> I'm a stress eater. But I'm talking about the consumption of all things. What are those things? I'm, the things that fill up your time, fill up your energy, that are over that that you're over consuming. Uh, let me give you an example. We're over consuming, as a culture or as a society, we're over consuming social media. Instead of doing this or doing that, we're on social media or we're uh, in. We're in our home and we can just live and just be doing things in the peace of our mind. But instead, we have to put on a YouTube. We have to put on a YouTube or a podcast. We have to. I'm not, and I'm not saying anything negative about those things. Those things are, in themselves are not evil. What happens is when we decide to not continue to move forward in healing because we're so consumed, we're consuming all of this information we're consuming all of this uh, stuff from everywhere to where we don't even know that we have places because we're so full. You know, so we'll use the physical example. When you eat so much, right, and you've just had the best meal of your life, you know, whatever it is for you, steak and shrimp, you know, whatever, whatever's your thing, and 
you're so, like, after Thanksgiving, right? Like, we're like, oh, you know, we get tired and we don't want to move too much even, you know, and especially us because most of the time we're the ones doing the cooking and the cleaning, you know, and we get, we're like, oh, we've just ate so much where our spirits get like that. We eat so much. We consume ourselves with so much things for our brain, our emotions, our heart, consuming, consuming, consuming. And then we pass over because we can't feel anything anymore. Just like after Thanksgiving and you've eaten, you know, too much. We don't know. We just keep shoving things in our mouth, right? Because we're like, well, we can't even feel what our, if, if we're hungry or not hungry. We're so stuffed. We don't know. So we have to stop stuffing our spiritual selves with things that are not for the spirit or that are taking too much time. Stop consuming so that we don't have to feel the things that are really there. I would rather you be less consuming of the things that are out there so that you could more hear the spirit of God. And the spirit of God doesn't fill full vessels. The Spirit of God fills empty vessels. So if you're so full of stuff, we don't leave room for the Spirit of God to come in and do his work in us, okay? So just don't be mad at me. I wasn't really talking about food. I was mostly talking about the consumption of other things. All right, the last one, the last dip that I want to talk about is the dip of blindness. Blindness. This is the dip that, uh, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I think all of us can find ourselves in any of these seven. They're, you know, I feel like we can all find ourselves. But in this particular one, a lot of us, when it comes to the healing that God wants to do in us, we, we, we stick our head in the sand, like the ostrich. We, don't, we just don't want to see it. So, so maybe none of those other things are your problem but maybe you just don't want to see what God wants you to heal from. Like, you just don't want to see it. You know it's there. It hovers under us, you know, just hovering there. But we don't want to see it. We stick our head in a hole. Another way that we become blind is that we're too busy looking back longingly. We look back. What I had back there was great. I don't really care for the season I'm in now. But what I had back there was the best. Or what I had back there was the worst. But we look back and there's a longing. For whether it's good or bad, we look back and we say, we, we just keep going back there in our minds. We keep looking back like, well, let me, let me look back at this situation. Let me look back at these things. And we, we look back longingly. And so we become blind to the things that are present and that are looking for. We become blind to those things. Another thing that we do is we look forward fearfully. We look forward fearfully. So we're blind to the great things that God has in front of us because we're blinded by fear. And so we become blind. We need to remove the scales be, and, and be very present where you are. Be present with your family and your kids and your church. Wherever you're at, be present in that place. Amen? Be present. Don't be blind. Don't look forward fearfully. You know who looked backwards? Lot's wife. Right? What happened to her? She's salty now. Right? She turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back on the things that were in Sodom and she said, those were my people. And there, there's a bit of, you know, sometimes I look at that and I'm like, I ain't mad at her. Like, I ain't mad at her because there have been times in my life I've looked back and I've said it was better back then. I, I didn't want you to take away what you took away from me. I didn't want to be divorced or I didn't want to be sick. I didn't want to lose that person. 
I didn't want those things. I wanted, I want to be back where I was before the betrayal. Before my kids did this or before my kids did that. And so I'm not mad at Lot's wife for looking back. Because I, I understand it. I understand me. And I understand that sometimes I've looked back and I've said, I, I thought it was better back then. And we lost some, I lost some things when I, when, I, when I had to leave that zone of that season of my life. I lost some things that were all good in my mind, all good things. And because of that, I, I look at Lot's wife and I say, okay, I understand. So whether she was, she was obvious, she didn't obey the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord told her, told them, do not look back. So there was something in the looking back that was wrong. And I can't maybe explain it all to you guys, but I can tell you that, thank God, I have looked back. I don't know if it is exactly the way that Lot's wife looked back, or, but I looked I have looked back and I've said to myself, that was better. I like that more. And the Lord has said to me, no, don't look back because I'm not doing that anymore. And sometimes the new and the now isn't as nice as what you remembered. And sometimes looking forward isn't going to look anything like what was back there. Sometimes you're trying to recreate something that you can never have back again. And it isn't because, and I'm not saying this because God doesn't, I'm saying God wants to bring healing, but we can never go back. No matter how hard we try, you can never go back. The relationship can't be exactly like it was. Maybe God brings restoration to relationships, but it will either it will get better, but it will never be what it was. And the season you're in, that transitional season, that season of transition, is ne- never looks like the end result. When you were living back where you look back longing, when you lived back there, you weren't sitting back there thinking, oh, this is the best time of my life. So when you're in the the place where you're working hard trying to build and to heal and to move forward, right? When we're in that place, we don't sit there and think, oh, I'm always going to look back and think this is the most amazing time of my life. But you can alter your narrative. You can alter the things you think about. You can say to yourself, what God is doing now, I'm going to look back in 10 years and I'm going to say, what God is doing now is better than anything before. But in transition, we don't always feel that way. In transition, we don't always feel that way. And so that, those transitional periods are very important. Very important for transitional periods. Okay. Don't get mad at me for this one either. We're blind because we're so busy focusing on everyone else's splinter in their eye that we can't see the plank in our own, right? It's kind of that, you know, we're pointing at someone else and the four fingers are pointing back at you, right? So we, we sit in service and we say, oh, well, so-and-so should be here to listen to that message. This would have been a good message for them. So-and-so at work needs to, you know, she's doing this and she's doing that and blah, 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 blah. What about the plank in your own eye? So we're blind because of our own planks. And so one of the things that um, I like to do, I do it once a year, is I have three people that are... I would say my counselors or my advisors in in my faith. And I have three friends. So I have three counselors, which are different. They're pastors. They've been pastors for 40, 50 years. They're older, wiser in the Lord, and they, they represent a different part of life. And then I have three friends 
Two are equal to my age with a similar upbringing, and one is younger than me with an upbringing very not similar to mine. But they're my friends. And once a year, I send out, usually in December, I send out a message and I say, how, what are the things that you see in my life that I can change? And sometimes they tell me, and sometimes they say, you know what, the Lord hasn't given me anything for you this year. I don't have anything to say to you. I think you're doing great. And sometimes they're like, well, I feel like this particular area of your life needs work. Or this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. Now, I can be insecure and get upset that they actually said there was something wrong with me. Or I can change and say, these people love me. They have my best interest at heart. They want to see me succeed. They have a lifetime of proving that to me. So I'm going to, even if I don't see it myself, I'm going to listen to what they're saying to me and I'm going to pray and bring it for, before the Lord and I'm gonna make some adjustments to myself. So sometimes I go and I do it to myself because I want to be ahead of the game. Like for a lot of years I was catching up to the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna keep working, keep moving, keep healing. But now I'm like, oh Lord, I'm gonna get ahead of the game on this one. Don't worry, he always, I'm not really ahead of the game. Um, But we have to start listening to people. Let me give you another example that maybe might resonate with some of you. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they say something in anger that just breaks your heart about you? They say something what you might consider mean or... uh, But they rebuttal. Maybe you said something mean, they said something mean, right? And there's anger involved or there's some type of emotion involved in this conversation. And and so then you get upset because they said this thing about you or to you in anger. And so then you go away and you're mad. Well, I'm telling you that we can take that and we can own it. Um, I'll tell you how we do that. We take that by when someone says something to you in anger, you take all of the information, the words they said and the way they said it and the way you felt it, and you remove all the emotion from it. So this is, this is something that works for me, may not work for you. I remove the emotion from the conversation and I just look at the words that were said. And I ask myself this question. Is any, if I take out all the anger, and all the emotion is something that they said true. Is what they said true? And sometimes I don't know. So sometimes I have to uh, pray and I say, Lord, is what they said true? And sometimes the Lord says, yes, that is you. And then sometimes the Lord tells me, "Mm, some of it is you, right? But the reason why I'm able to look at it and judge it and bring it before the Lord is because I've removed the emotion from it that causes the blindness. Because when you're angry about something, when you're upset or you're hurt, we it causes us to be blind to what God wants from that situation. God can use those people who make you angry. God can use those to bring healing to you. Did you know that? God can use those things to bring healing to you. But you have to be able to take what's thrown at you and lay it at the feet of the Lord. You have to lay it at his feet and say, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna let this make me bitter or angry. I'm gonna lay it before you and I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna change because of this. So there's been times where I've laid it before the Lord. The Lord says, yes, I need you to fix this. That this person said that is true. And I can now, after the Lord reveals that to me, I can go to that person and I'm not, I can't, it's the most miraculous thing because I can get mad. I'm not the only person in here who can get angry, okay? I can get mad. And so when, so that's why I'll have to remove myself a lot of times because I'm like, okay, I don't want to say anything, right? So we just go hide because we don't say anything we're not supposed to say. But we can take that information and, and it's the most miraculous thing that the things that were said to us in anger can actually be a bonding point. I have gone to people and said, this was the conversation, and even though I may not agree with the way you said it to me, or in the manner in which you said it, 
I do agree that you were right. And what you said was correct. And the Lord has revealed that to me. And I will, because of you, I want to thank you for saying it to me. Because now I can move forward in this area and I can get better. And I thank you for that. And I've gone to people who said things to me in anger. And they were all in the flesh too. So don't get me wrong. But even things that are said in the flesh can be true. And we can be healed from it. You can take those things and you can be healed from it. Amen. And so those are the kind of the seven things that I wanted to talk to us about. We need to start listening to people. If, if you have children in this place, if you don't know, and your kids, my kids are in that age now, like I'm, my kids are like 16, 18, and 20. So they have a lot of things to say to me. Like all the things that are wrong with me, they're going to tell me, right? So you come to a point where your kids, they want to start saying things. And I'm not saying your kids need to be disrespectful, but your kids know you better than anybody else. The people who live with you, they know you better than anybody else. And so sometimes if they say things to me like, well, mom's like this. They might say it in like in nonchalantly or in a joking way. But I can take those things and say, hey, I don't want to be that way. I don't believe God has called me to be that person. And I don't want people to know me in that manner. I don't want them to know me like that. So thank you to my children who continually tell me all the things that are wrong with me. Right? Oh, the joy. Oh, the joy. You know? And, and whether you have kids or you don't have kids, the people who are around you the most, they know you the most. And make yourself vulnerable to people. Say, is there something? Ask your pastor. Is there something that you feel that the... Yeah, ask her right there. <laughs> you know... You know, ask your pastor, ask uh, the people closest to you, is there something that I, that I can work on? And God will bring the right things to you at the right time, amen? We know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has given us the ability to peel off these layers and become whole and be healed, amen? Amen. So with that, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.